world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Order will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. You got the jab, right? I got the what? The jab. The jab. The Fauci ouchie. <laughs> the Fauci ouchie. I hate, I hate how much I love that. I'm not going to lie. This is the Superhuman Registration Podcast where we are experiencing some fun technical difficulties. My name is Steven. I've got John and Aldo with me. Hey guys, how are you doing? I, I got the double jab. That's not a boxing move. Uh, I, I drove up to a uh, drive through vaccination station which was next station. to the n- next to the conjunction junction. <laughs> <laughs> What's your function? Vaccinating people against the coronavirus. <laughs> does not rhyme. Nope, does not. Uh, rhyme. You, you said that double jab, and I just thought here's here's a deep deep sports cut for people. That sounded to me like the Fauci rule, which is the f- <laughs> like, you want me to explain it because it'll make it funnier. I promise. No, it has. The Fauci roll has wasabi and it's grilled, right? <laughs> that was the Pepsi roll. Oh, that's I. That's all boxing. <laughs> so you said Fauci roll and I got hungry. Oh, uh, you know what though? I would absolutely order a Fauci roll at a, at a sushi restaurant. Cotton candy, sweetie, go. Let me see that Fauci roll. <laughs> go Fauci. Go, go, go Fauci. <laughs> says funny stuff all the time but <laughs> oh, a little flag a little flag got put on the mountain right there <laughs> oh my gosh you just said he peaked i love it <laughs> oh no 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 that's so that's what it sounded like because he on the mountain oh. peak so he peaked i didn't mean it like that <laughs> steven hey hey it's okay it's okay plenty of Plenty of people climbed Everest twice, and, and some of them came back alive. <laughs> uh, so we started reading Hawkeye way back, I think, in... At the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, uh, this is the Matt Fraction Davida Hog run, although there were other creators involved as well. And actually about half of what we read tonight was a slightly different creative team. Fraction was involved with all of it, but we have other artists as well. So tonight we closed the circle and we finished the run with the last two arcs, which again, they're kind of interwoven. Uh, so it'll when we get to the end, I think we'll need to debate how we uh, actually decide to rank everything. But, you know, that's at least an hour from now, hour and a half from now. John, why don't you walk us through what happened? I was going to try to do my best uh, Jim Morrison and sing L.A. Woman. I'm, I just, I can't. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, don't you, don't you want to read her badly? I want to be there when she's walking out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so dumb. Um, we read Hawkeye, specifically the trades L.A. Woman and Rio Bravo, and the annual, which um, happened before this, uh, immediately before L.A. Woman, I believe. Yeah, the annual kind of kicks off the L.A. Warm- Woman portion of this arc. Yeah. So, 
the creative team is Matt Fraction, Dividaha, Annie Wu, Javier Polito, Steve Lieber, Jesse Ham, Francesco Francavilla, colorist Matt Hollingsworth, and letterer Chris Eliopoulos. For some and all of this, um, Annie Wu, I think, is the artist um, for the L.A. Woman parts. The cover art was always done by Dividaha, so that's consistent there. Um, this trade, uh, the trade came out uh, October 2014, but we're, um, Kate Bishop is upset with Hawkeye and his his downward spiral. He's just kind of wrecking his life and making things difficult for himself. So um, she's heading to Los Angeles to get away from it all, and she runs into problems with Madame Mask. Uh, Madame Mask, Madame, what did I say there? Milady. Oh, holy. <laughs> um, sorry, now my brain is like, Madame Mask. No, no. <laughs> uh, she helps her neighbors get some orchids back. Uh, she has to go through a local crime boss who is connected to Madame Mask, who apparently runs a lot of the crime in L.A. with her father, Count Nefaria. Um, she... It's. It feels almost like. Um, I don't know. It felt like Twin Peaks a little bit. This like random guy in the in the grocery store is like a detective, um, and helping her out with stuff as she shops for cat food. That was a little weird to me, but that was a thing. And uh, turns out he has had some dealings with uh, the underbelly of L.A. as well. And they told him he would never leave unless it was in a body bag. And uh, he saw. A lot of crazy things. Uh, people who should be dead coming back to life and younger and all of this stuff connected to um, Madame Mask and her father. And um, Kate puts it together that, oh, there were some dummies in Madame Mask's uh, um, home that she has out here. And I thought they were just mannequins, but maybe this is some kind of, you know, Frankenstein-like experiment. Um, she realizes that all of these bad guys are going after Hawkeye and she's got to get out of there. Um, her friend Harold, the the uh, detective dude, gets killed, um, and she escapes back to New York in time to help Hawkeye. When we last saw him, um, a they 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 also trying to frame her too, right? For the mur- for the murder of uh, that detective guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just so, I, I just wanted to add that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Everything's flow. fine. Everything was just like, like everything's all woven in so well in this story yeah. that you know it picks up and it lets off. And there's a, there's just a lot. He's dead. Kate Bishop, pretty much an Avenger. <laughs> this is off uh, Detective Caudle. Um Saves Brian Wilson. Saves Brian Wilson. Oh yeah, man, I forgot all about that. Yeah, she saves Brian Wilson, <laughs> who has a pool in his uh, studio, so that's great. Um, man, there's a lot. Uh, she. He is able to clear her name with the police because she's like the plucky sidekick and the, the detective is having none of it. And she gets back in time. Uh, when we last left uh, Clint Barton, he had been uh, really badly hurt. And uh, by the um, assassin who killed Grills, or Gil, uh, his neighbor. And part of the story overlapped. When you go back and you read issue 11, you see some of Clint's conversation with his brother Barney, who comes back into town, who was also a former Hawkeye. Um, 
as a Dark Avenger, but still has, you know, a similar set of skills. Um, he comes back kind of as like the long-lost wayward brother who also was, you know, Clint's defender as a kid with abusive parents and uh, taught him how to fight and um, helped him when he lost his hearing as a kid. And as a result of um, uh, Kazi, the, uh, the clown assassin, uh, Clint is deaf and there's a whole issue in American Sign Language or in, you know, just partial uh, dialogue available to, you know, readers. Um, they, you know, reluctantly team up because they, you know, have a history, but it's not all good, not all bad. Um, and they home alone prep the whole apartment building for the tracksuit mafia to come back and um, are able to defend it and uh, save the day. Barney does take all of Clint's money and goes off into the sunset with one of the neighbors and her boys, the uh, same family that um, we met in the Wintertime Winter Friends uh, special, Christmas special a while back. And uh, yeah, uh, we, we end with uh, Hawkeye, both of them. Um, doing some target practice and yeah life is good again i don't know i don't know i think we got to get into it more but that's basically uh rio bravo ends with uh defending the uh building from the tracksuit mafia but yeah there you go i forgot who the guy with the mime makeup was <laughs> yeah there's a lot going on <laughs> it's been a while too since we since we started it yeah yeah they don't they don't ever really dive back into that you know the expectation is uh you read all of it at once <laughs> Yeah. Or not at once, but, you know, not with a three-year break in the middle. <laughs> I had to go back and reread the one where he you get some of his backstory, because he's like, where'd you come from? And he's like, I came from hell. And he's a clown. So, yeah. Well, I'm thinking, like, okay, without a gap of three years, uh, Hawkeye number one was published August 1st, 2012. Hawkeye number uh, 22 was published significantly later, right? Uh, 2014, I believe. Yeah, so two, like, it was two years, I think, between, like, when the series started and when the series ended. Um, yeah, but you were, like, at least, like, reading them in the months between. Sometimes? Because it didn't come out monthly. There were gaps in yeah. the schedule, as there always are, right? Secret Wars. Secret Wars. <laughs> I think I got the, the trade, like, I was waiting on the last trades, and so, like, I was kind of current and kind of waiting for new stuff a little bit but um just un unparalleled like just the way they use the medium um is incredible um you know we've we talked about it before with david aha's use of color and uh, i don't know if minimalist style is the best way to describe it because that i don't know minimalist sometimes like sounds like it's like a way to like cheat you know and you're like you're putting less detail on there so it's less work this is Every line feels deliberate. Every line feels like it's important. Every every word in there, um, you know, it's strange in a book about a sharpshooter, about a master uh, marksman, that they uh, nail it every time. Would you say this book is on point? It is on point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, 2015, by the way. The last issue came out in 2015. Okay. I knew that, like, the last trade was published then, but I didn't know if it was... How, how, what the gap was between the last issue and then the last trade. Yeah, if, if the dates in the app are to be believed, uh, Hawkeye number 20 came out September 10th of 2014, number 21 came out February 4th, 2015, and then 22, the final issue, came out July 15, 2015. Okay. Hawkeye is really good, though. Yeah. I, I think, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast or not, but I recently read another fraction series uh superman's pal jimmy olsen he wrote for dc oh yeah you, you mentioned it yeah 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 
It reminds me a lot, actually, of Hawkeye in the sense that there's a lot going on. You retread some of the same ground repeatedly, you have multiple story arcs going on, and you just kind of let the current carry you along and hope things make sense at the end, because sometimes it's really hard to keep track of everything. Uh, Hawkeye's not as difficult to follow as Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, which I need to go back and just read in one sitting now that it's done. But um, I still get a little bit of that, because I think the scene where Kate leaves and takes Lucky the pizza dog with her. Yeah. I think we get that at least twice, maybe even three times in the run of Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, one time from the dog's perspective. I think we get it once from Kate's perspective and we get it from once from Barney's perspective because he overhears the conversation because he's on the toilet in the other room. Right. <laughs> Fraction's a very dense storyteller. Not in the sense that he's dumb, obviously, but in the <laughs> sense that he crams a lot of meaning. There's a lot of purpose behind what he does. Yeah. And then you've got David Ahab contributing art on half of these issues and uh, I've, I've shared some of these videos I think with the group here in, in our chat but uh, a Marvel Comics creator, I, who, her name is French so I'm, I'm gonna mispronounce it uh, Elsa Chartier I think she does this really brilliant breakdown of uh, a scene from Hawkeye issue one where she shows how David Aha keeps your eye moving throughout a single panel without uh like letting you wander off but also without getting distracted by details it just keeps reinforcing the story um and so you know David Aha is operating on a whole nother level he's so talented and Fraction is you know so deliberate in the storytelling choices that he's making that those sections are honestly they're peak storytelling in comics or near peak they're very good they're very good to the point where it's almost too much at times like, if I have a complaint about the Fraction AHA sections, it's sometimes there's so much going on I can't follow it. It's like, okay, do I need to go and look up how to, like, what all of these signs mean in order to follow the conversation? I can kind of get the gist of it, but, like, am I missing something if I don't want to take a half hour to Google everything? What makes me feel, like, that makes me sound super entitled, right? <laughs> no, it's good that the, it, it rewards a reread, you know, when you go back right. and you listen to or you listen to it. You, <laughs> who has done a lot of audiobooks in the last year? Oh. When you go back <laughs> and you reread it, there's something more for you to digest. Yeah. And I remember when I read this in trade, I loved the LA woman stuff. And the Rio Bravo stuff, I kind of just glossed over. I didn't care about it as much. Not so this time around. I actually think I appreciated the the Hawkeye, the Clint Barney stuff, um, the stuff with Jessica Drew that, oh my gosh, there's one page in particular I'm thinking of, I think it's in issue 22, where the grandmother in the building who's been working with the tracksuit Draculas takes a baseball bat to Clint, and it's just horrifying. Yeah, that was, that was a, a jarring bit of art that was really good. Oh, it's so good. That stuff is all really good. And the Kate stuff I found a little bit too meandering this read through. Not, no, not that it was bad, just that I, I had trouble following the thread in a way that made me feel like, not that I was missing something, but rather that there wasn't as much there. That was just me, though. I wonder what you guys' responses were. Both, both times that I've read the, the book, that's the Kate Bishop stuff has kind of felt... I hate saying it's the low point because that would imply that it's bad. It's not bad. It's just I, it's not my favorite part of it. Um, it's not my least favorite part of, of, of the whole stuff. 
uh, it feels a little meandering, and I think for me it's because you know prior to the LA Woman stuff, we have really been focused on Clint and the apartment building. So for me, a lot of the Kate Bishop stuff really kind of feels like when are we gonna get back to, or how does this tie into the apartment? How does this tie into that greater story? Which uh, I mean, it it kind of does, but doesn't. So I I still f- have like mixed feelings on it. And like there are moments in the LA woman stuff. There are moments that are just so good. I I pulled up issue 20, I think, which is where it all comes to a head. And you got like the opening scene is Kate calling her dad and threatening him because she knows that he's uh, in with this criminal syndicate. And then you flip the page and you get Kate in mugshot and she's just had the crap beat out of her. And it's such a great panel. Then you flip over a couple of pages and you've got Kate going undercover as the sushi girl and (laughs) Oh gosh. There's that whole bit where uh, Madame Mask is bringing in girls to like lie down on a table and let rich old men eat sushi off of their naked bodies. It's a disgusting thing. So that's how Kate kind of gets into Madame Mask's headquarters. And the minute Madame Mask leaves, she like uncovers her face. She looks up at the men and she's like, every last one of you sit the futz down now and (laughs) shut the futz up. It's just, it's so good. I think my favorite part of that is that, like she also threatens him. She's like, "If any of you look at me while I'm changing, I will, I will poke out your eye." What did she say? And like, also, I, got, I got wasabi in my nethers or something weird like. That. Yeah, and then she's like, you "She's be like ashamed. I'm old enough to be your daughter's super cool and just a little bit worldly younger awesome friend." That, that line is what kills it for me. Well, oh, so it kills good. me. It doesn't kill it. It kills it's, me. It's so good. It's so funny, but. The problem that I have, or the biggest problem that I have, is Madame Mask's motivations make no sense the entire way through. Like, she knows Kate Bishop is an Avenger. She knows that Kate Bishop knows who she is. And she never just kills her. She never recognizes her when it, like would be inconvenient for the plot. At least that's how it felt like to me. The strength of Kate's character carries those sections. And it's not David Aha. I really like the art through all of these yeah. different books with Annie Wu and uh, oh, who's the other guy? Who, Francesco who Francavilla. Yeah. Oh, not, not just him. The Who does the art in the annual? Oh, the annual. Oh. Hey, that's a great question. You know, a here at Superhuman Registration Podcast, we do not ever um, edit to make it sound like we got our answers right on the first time. Nor do we stall for time while we're frantically flipping through the app trying to get back. It's to Javier Polito. Javier Polito. I said it. Javier I like Polito. Javier Polito. <laughs> yeah. I think it I works well. I mean, you well. like him so much you remembered him. <laughs> I th- he did the, the She-Hulk story, too, with uh, Captain America on trial. I believe that oh, that's true. right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Think and his style is distinct, and it's, it's I don't know, it's definitely not as, um, I think the word that I would use for uh, David Aha is a little bit impressionistic. It's Because it, uh, Polito loves his silhouettes, um, which probably saves him a lot of time. Uh, but... It's it's full of character. He gets some good comedic flourishes in there. I don't know. Even though I think David Aha is unquestionably one of the goats. Um, every other artist who works on this, I love them. I love them all. Yeah. No, I think that it works well. Um, the tape was Javier Polito, and I I prefer David Aha, but like 
the, it was a funnier story a little bit. You know, this kind of, this heist. And, uh, I mean, Hawkeye had a American, Expe- American Express black card in his butt. So, you know, it's okay <laughs> that the characters were a little cartoony in that section of the whole story. I just, like, I love that they're like, you know, oh, we're going to cowboy up and do this. Or you got to, you know, all of this stuff. Just the the way they talk to each other, you know, the train wreck that's going on with, with Hawkeye, Clint Barton, Hawkeye. All of the, like, terrible crap that keeps happening to Kate and she just keeps like taking it on the chin like nope I I got I got you know $87 in my pocket or less or yes ma'am I will watch your cats like you know and (laughs) and she I want to say that when Prop 8 got overturned in California was about the same it happened either just before or about the same time as when um, Finch and Marcus the couple that lives next to her on the beach uh, get married I want to say it's about about the same time it came out because they were like you know we had a vision and this was this was our supposed to be a special like we were supposed to have orchids on our special day and everything i think that's like they're talking about how they waited so long i think that's and like it happened around the same time i'd have to double check uh i, I have it up right now uh court decision for uh prop 8 being unconstitutional went in a went into effect on June 26, 2013. Okay, so there, yeah, about the same time. That that timing does. I knew it was about. I knew it was June, but I wasn't sure exactly when in June. So anyway, yeah. So holy crap! Sorry, I'm in issue 22 again when Kate shows up and she gets like a real cowboy moment where she's just like laying waste to all the tracksuits. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, seriously, bro, bro. I like. I can't get enough of like. They're just such great bad guys. You you want to know about the bad guys? And he's like, he's like, he's like. Even if you hurt me, then downstairs you have to deal with you know this guy and this guy and this guy. I, I just it's a, such a great comic. I forgot Pizza Dog gets shot. Yeah, but ends up being okay. How dare you? Yep, there he is. It's it's good comics. And Barney runs away with the money at the end. He Hawkeye has it like has it so like the the whole the whole apartment building gets to stand up for themselves. So that's good. Neighborhood watch, stay down. I don't know. This is we don't want this to be a forty minute podcast episode, right? But like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> more do you? Well, here's here. I mean, we are going to have an argument about where it belongs in the ranking because you guys are going to try to talk sense into me that we don't need a new number one, and I'm going to just you know argue. But anyway, uh, oh, if you, I hope you weren't. Actually actually thinking it was going to be number one <laughs> i know let's set some expectations now right <laughs> oh you guys remember how the series also ends with like all of the supervillains like getting together and agreeing to like kill both hawkeyes yeah and kate's dad is among them yeah that, yep. was, that was messed up it was messed up man yeah but it makes sense and they talk about that like you know multiple times throughout the series like he's the vulnerable one he's you know the mortal one right like he doesn't have superpowers he's just really good at what he does and what he does isn't very nice hey no nope, that's that's the wrong guy he was in this series yeah but no. he didn't want any uh any <laughs> what is it dog cops what's the series like, no spoilers <laughs> <laughs> that's so good um something something that stuck out to me this read through uh that last issue of rio bravo um has such good stuff in it. The thing in particular that's that's grabbing my attention now is on page 22. Hawkeye has finally taken the clown down. He's unconscious. He walks into the other room, rips all of the cables out of the back of his new entertainment system, and goes over and uses them to, to tie the clown up. Yeah. And, and it's like... It's so interesting because we've spent, you know, so long with Hawkeye 
in this building from different angles, exploring different aspects of his life here, his holidays here, that time that he had Tony Stark come over to help him set up his DVD player. We, we've met all of the people in this building, uh, including the, the woman and her kids that uh, run off with Barney. We, you know, we know the the old grandmother who is actually in cahoots with the, with the tracksuit mafia, and we see her on the plane with Penny at, like, on page 26 as she's flying off to who knows where. Um, we've got in front of her are the two leaders of the tracksuit, or the leader of the tracksuit mafia and the woman who beat the crap out of Hawkeye. And it's just like, it's a tight story. It's very, very tight. And there are, because of all of this, things that would be maybe just like, oh, that's a cool moment, wind up having a lot more significance. Because all throughout Hawkeye, there's this sort of motif where Hawkeye's kind of moral is, or, or his philosophy is, it doesn't matter how busted or broken or no good your stuff is, it's your stuff, you have to make it work. And that's why he goes so hard for this building, it's because it's his. Uh, literally in the sense that he bought it, uh, figuratively in the sense that he bought it illegally and doesn't actually own it. Um, but also, you know, we've got this great scene where it's like, he's struggling to try to make this place work, uh, so he has Tony Stark come over to help him use the cables to, to, so that he can watch dog cops on Christmas, um, and then he kind of rips all that apart to take down the guy who's trying to destroy this building. It's like, there's, there's stuff. There is stuff going on here under, like, it, it's a very meaty comics pie. It's very good. Without being... You know, we've we've complained about other comics where it's just like every there's they just drop like a whole book on you in the you know there's nothing there's there's no extra there's no fat on this bone on this muscle on this wait, wait on this muscle on this bo the knee bones connected to there's no fat in this book <laughs> and I love that. And, because, and it's more effective for that, you know. Um, any little details that you don't get the first time, turn a few pages, and then it all clicks together really nicely. Mm -hmm. And that's just gorgeous to look at, you know. No matter who the artist is, it just works so well. Because I think that they all kind of work together on it. It feels like there was a understanding about what the, the tone of it should be. And the, the art can vary, but it has to kind of fall within these parameters. And it does that really well. Well, okay, and you say no fat, but I think that might be part of the reason why the Kate Bishop stuff doesn't work as well for True, me. True, that it, I guess Brian Wilson is is a little fatty, but I don't know. It, it does contribute a little bit of gristle. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, but it's like Kate shows up in L.A. She meets this random guy in the cat food aisle whose name is Harold H. Harold. What does the H stand for? Harold. Harold. But, like, she meets him. Turns out that he's involved with Madame Mass. Uh, she, she meets the couple who just want the, uh, was it a lilac or was it an orchid? Orchid. For, for their wedding. Yeah. And, uh, the flower guy, like, the guy who stole the flower, turns out he's involved with Madame Mass. Um... The Brian Wilson thing, I think, winds up uh, connecting with Madame Mass, but it's all coincidence. And that's the thing that I think bothers me the most, is I don't think there's a sense that this is Kate intentionally trying to take down Madame Mask, or Madame Mask intentionally trying to destroy Kate. It's just they keep tripping over each other, uh, and it, it feels fairly clumsy. There's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of great stuff. Like when Kate uses her one phone call to call the cop from across the room. Like, uh, just, uh, I don't know. There's some good comedic bits. There's a lot of fun stuff in there, but the... It's not as tight. It doesn't feel as as deliberate as the rest of the uh, Clint Barton focused stuff. Although, have you, you got anything else to add? <laughs> Want to make sure that you have you have room to express your opinion? Uh, I, I mean, you've you've expressed most of my opinion um, pretty pretty <laughs> well. 
Uh, so, so no, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot. Like, I don't know. I, I think, I think my problems come at, okay. So I know we're not talking about ranking yet because we're only like 40 minutes in, but <laughs> well, I think we're going to get to ranking sooner yeah. rather than later. This yeah. is probably going to be a short episode. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Cause, cause like, okay. So like part of my, part of my issue <laughs> here is that. Uh, as much as I like this, and I like this as a continuation and ending to previous Hawkeye stuff that we've read, or, you know, to complete it, uh, my my problem is, uh, you know, having come back to this three years later, I don't know how well these books stand alone, which isn't really a fault of their own, um, but the way we read and rank stuff is, is I don't, I, I, these are not like new reader friendly. Um, granted, you also shouldn't start... I feel like, more often than not, you probably shouldn't start a, a book, like, at the at the fourth entry. Like, it'd be like if you read Harry Potter and the Glo- Goblet of Fire, and you're just like, what? <laughs> and, and also, my, my other issue comes from... <laughs> comes from <laughs> reading this in single issues. Uh, this is a problem I had the last time, and this is a problem I had this time, is I... I can't present a better alternative, but I am not a fan of the of the of the switching storylines uh, when we're reading, you know, between the LA Woman stuff and the Rio Bravo stuff. Um, yeah. When when I read this initially, I I I think I was also pretty confused because you know one month I got the Hawkeye book and then the next month I got the the, the Kate Bishop book. Um, and also probably my bad is uh, I don't know if I actually got the annual when I was picking these up individually. Uh, which kind of concerns me because that means I have an incomplete collection now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so so that was a little confusing, right? I also don't like the idea of like the annual being so critical. Yeah. Because because it not like uh, like in this situation we're already switching between Hawkeye and Kate. We're we're switching between two storylines that don't necessarily converge until the end. Like I feel like like I said this before, I don't feel like the Kate Bishop stuff affects at all the like the the clint barton stuff so so i don't know how important it was to have both those stories going at the same time so so to have like that switching back and forth and then to also so you know you're pulling the reader out of like the normal reading order and then on top of that to also require them to seek out you know another book uh to be able to like kind of pick up where this new thread is coming in to me just doesn't read like well and may and maybe that's like a weird nitpick I have for the book, and maybe that's like a problem I had because when I was reading this in the app, uh, when it switched over to the Kate Bishop stuff, it went it did that issue, then it skipped over or it jumped over to her next issue, and then it jumped to a Hawkeye issue, but skipping the Hawkeye issue that had gone in between the two Kate Bishop issues. Uh, if that sounds confusing, that's also how I felt. So so I had to like go back and read that stuff and then also had to go and read the annual because i was like oh yeah this is probably when the annual kicks in so like my reading order for this stuff was a little messed up and i i, I don't know like how well that would read to somebody having re- reading this through the app right not just because i'm assuming this all works out better in trades yeah i was gonna say the ideal yeah. way to read hawkeye i believe is the four trades or it, there's probably like an omnibus edition yeah. now that uh my guess is is formatted the same way as the trades where you read uh hawkeye one through i think like 12 and then the annual and then you read the la woman stuff and then you read the rio bravo stuff that is i think 
the best way to read it. And it's really interesting because when I first read Hawkeye, I was a trade waiter. I only read trades. I did not have a pull list. I hadn't touched a floppy comic since I was a kid, basically. Um, now I have a pull list again at the comic book shop. And I, again, that's how I read uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. And it's really good, but... You wait a month between issues, and I don't remember what happened in the last issue anymore, and that's really difficult, because there were, like, five stories in that issue mm -hmm. that I need to know about all of them, because all five of them are continuing in this issue. Fraction, I think, writes... Like, this isn't Comics 101, right? This is... You, you have to actually be a fairly experienced comics reader to get Hawkeye, which... Uh, is, I think, to some extent a strike against it, but at the same time, uh, you don't, like, write off Pablo Picasso because he's too hard to understand. Like, it's worth it to put the time in to really understand context and how to read this visual medium. Like, that stuff is rewarding, and just because you don't necessarily come to that immediately without, you know, some study, some practice, um, that doesn't mean that the, the material is worse for that, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm in agreement. I, I, I think I also feel bad for people who's like whose first book is Hawkeye because you, you, you hand them this book and you're like, hey, here's a really good comic book. And they don't have the context to realize how good and how exactly. skillful that book is. So like, you know, every book they read after that will just be like, oh, you, you mean people just drop story threads? <laughs> it doesn't tie back in? Not, not all the time, bud. Imagine, imagine reading this and then reading Longshot after. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually think that that would actually play out pretty well for Longshot, you see, because with the skills that you pick up from reading Hawkeye, you can actually get a lot of the depth and nuance that comes from the panels uh, in Hawkeye, or in, in Longshot, that, no, okay, it's a, it's a train wreck, it's fine. You lost me, immediately. <laughs> I could tell that yoga, uh, I could tell that Steven does yoga because of that stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's a question. I do want to ask this question. Now that we've read the entirety of Hawkeye, do we keep the individual stories ranked at the different spots on the list, or do we consolidate it all and rank Hawkeye as one thing? The stories as we have them broken up right now are separate, but you could also argue that L.A. Woman and um, Rio Bravo are separate stories, and so it's tricky. I I would argue put them all together because I think that would rank give them the highest possible ranking, and then that that would like affect the whole list though. It would, which would create a lot of work for Aldo, who maintains uh, the list. Not not so. as much as you think. <laughs> not as much as you think. Uh, but. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, if that's the route we want to go, I will figure that out. But um, part of me is also, I, 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 part of me would prefer to rank this as a single book because I think that is the optimal way to read it. And I think that's ultimately why we read it was to read the whole book. True. Right. Be because I also feel, I mean, like, this is the thing I said, like, uh, I don't know, five minutes ago is I, I, if we rank this as a book by itself, I don't think it's very good as a standalone story because we're picking up in the middle of the story. We, I mean, this is why we've knocked down books in ranking before because it throws you right in the middle of it. It feels like it and it doesn't do anything to catch you up. And I feel like this book has all those faults if we rank them as a standalone book. That's interesting because that opens up a lot of a lot of interesting uh, conundra conundra conundrama because <laughs> like. <laughs> 
if we ever go back and and read the the Mark Wade Daredevil, we've got a Wade Daredevil story that ranked kind of low on our list for this reason. Mm-hmm. Um, that we would then potentially drag up a little bit higher if we were to include the entire thing. But that said. That said, I think we're we're coming across an interesting phenomenon where uh, some stories are intended to be picked up and read like in the middle of a uh, uh, story arc. Like, for example, um, Dark Phoenix Saga. That's just the one that's coming to mind. If you were to just pick up the beginning of the Dark Phoenix Saga and read through the end of the Dark Phoenix Saga, like, it wasn't intended to be a starting point, but it still kind of works. It, it it tries to do its due diligence to catch you up on what's important yeah. for it. Right. I, I, I think the other one I would argue does that kind of well as well is Craven's Last Hunt. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. And those those stories come from this different era in comics when the comics were just monthly magazines, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it go, kind of goes back to the whole Stan Lee thing. We bring it up every couple episodes or so where uh, every issue might be somebody's first. Mm-hmm. That's not the way comics are written anymore. And Hawkeye is especially indicative of that. Because Hawkeye, I don't think, was ever really intended to be read in single-issue format. Um, like, not really. The, the Hawkeye was written for the trade. Uh, and a lot of comics are written for trades nowadays, and it's fine. Yeah, it's kind of how, um, I guess, like, the earlier seasons of Breaking Bad were absolutely made for syndication, but the later seasons of Breaking Bad were actually kind of written, meant to be binged, or meant to be watched as a grouping, not not no longer as, like, individual episodes. Um, yeah. And that's kind of the difference yeah. that we're here we're at here right yeah and you take it one step further where it's it's not just like the hawkeye stories are written for the individual trades but like the individual trades were meant to be compiled into the fraction aha hawkeye omnibus (laughs) this was always intended to be a 23 issue like masterpiece give or take 23 there's there's an annual uh, because i'm pretty sure the the hurricane sandy issue was not planned from the beginning right i mean nobody plans a hurricane so i mean unless you're thor or storm (laughs) storm or storm okay eat my words right there sorry or if you combine them storm (laughs) (laughs) well on that note i think we should rank him and if the group's in agreement Let's take all of our Hawkeye stories and roll them up and see how high it gets. So, right, and that's going to be interesting. That's good. We get to fulfill the book because all I ever had is redemption songs. So okay, so are we kind of in agreement that we want to rank this as a as a whole book? That's the whole series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's going to be interesting because right now, part of the Hawkeye story is at number 95, which is the NBC Wintertime Winter Friends Winter Fun Special. It'll be a shame not to be able to rattle off that title every time we need a point of comparison. <laughs> um, but, you know, the reason that that's so low is because it does not stand on its own. It really only works as sort of, as sort of this additive to what's going on in Hawkeye, specifically what's going on in Rio Bravo. Yeah. yeah. And and we also read that as a Christmas special. Beca- it, uh, I mean, you can kind of tell that it's not actually meant... It's ca- Okay, everyone's going to hate me for this. I feel like the NBC Wintertime, Winter Friends, Winter Fun special is about as much a Christmas episode or issue as Die Hard is a Christmas movie. In I that it's so very, in so that it's very much a Christmas story. In that it's not. <laughs> yes, thank you. Alba. But they thank are stories that take place. In <laughs> uh. that they are stories that happen to take place during Christmas, and they use Christmas as a setting. 
but uh, Christmas is not the point. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely fair, but uh, this gets into a whole different discussion. I would argue that your Christmas special is better for being about something other than Christmas, but... I mean, we, we can, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Uh, the highest ranking Hawkeye story on our list, we've actually got two of them. My Life is a Weapon and Little Hits are cohabitating at number four. And then the tape is at number eight. Yes. Right. I think that's where all of the Hawkeye is. I think it's those three different spots on yeah. the list. Yeah. My instinct on this book uh, if we were to rank all of it as a as a singular book, uh, would be for it to take the place where the tape is at, uh, because uh, because when we when we combine all of it, uh, I feel like we also have to account a little bit for the failure, not the failures, the low points, <laughs> I guess, which for me are kind of exasperated in uh, in the Kate Bishop stuff. I don't, I just don't feel like the Kate Bishop stuff is as strong. I feel like. I would like the Kate Bishop stuff more if it was her her own series and we got to spend a little bit more time with her. To Aldo's point, I don't disagree, but uh, you're wrong. And um, <laughs> I think the book is Hawkeye. She's Hawkeye. Um, I think that we rank it at number four where My Life is a Weapon and Little Hits are because even with the... Excuse me, I want to make sure I get this right. The NBC Wintertime Winter Friends Winter Fun Special and LA Woman, some of the kind of detours that we get along the way. The good, or best I should say, of this book lifts up the good parts um, and makes it all elevated. So I would I would argue uh, we keep it at number four with the uh, first two traits. W- well, acknowledging your perfectly valid points that you just brought up. I just I don't I don't know I, th- I like like I said I mean I'll, this is my third time saying it and by the rule of three uh, this means I'm not allowed to say it anymore, um, <laughs> but, but but the Kate Bishop stuff meanders a little bit and I and I wish it was more integrated into the into the preceding Clint Barton storyline. Um, other than that, I I like it, but it just feels like a separate story. Um, and it's not that it's bad, but I I would enjoy it a lot more as its own individual book. Because then that means I would actually get to focus on Kate kind of from beginning to end and not spend half the time reading those issues wondering what this has to do with with the quote-unquote main story. There you go. So Kate Bishop calls her dad while he's on a yacht and threatens to come after him because she knows what he did. Uh, last summer her story arc and that bit is (laughs) yeah what he did last summer and every summer from the sound of things. it's really good. It's gangster as all get out. I mean, as gangster as a, as a you know, wealthy white debutante can be. But, um, I don't Thank know. Thank you. For all its faults, the Kate Bishop stuff is still super fun. Um, I was actually worried because I don't think there's any chance that um, Hawkeye goes above uh, Secret Wars. But since John's saying number four, that makes my job easier. I agree with John. Yes, this never happens. Two against one, and I'm on the two. Yes. <laughs> All right. Like, and I'm, I'm looking. It's like, would I recommend that somebody read Hawkeye over uh, Vision? Yes, actually, I would. And I say that this is someone who's, who really likes Vision. Would I recommend somebody read it 
uh, Hawkeye over If This Be My Destiny, probably? Yeah, because that's, like, that's special, but you gotta, like, you gotta know stuff, and, like, you gotta like Spider-Man first before you dive into, like, an old classic Spidey. Mm -hmm. And it's good. I think it holds up. I would actually give that to somebody as their first comic. Uh -huh. um, and then I would say move on to Hawkeye. Like, once you know how to read comics, you'll get a lot more out of Hawkeye. It gets a little fuzzy with um, Parable, because I yeah. love Parable. Just this once, I may not do this very often, but just this once, I want to give the edge to the comic that I think challenges the reader more. Because Parable's not particularly challenging. It's just really, really good. It's yeah, really good. Th this is, I'm going to be just just a bit of a snob this one time and say, no, the book that you actually have to work to get the most out of deserves to go in the higher spot. That said, I, I don't think I can put it above the story where Miles Morales pulls a hamburger out of his pocket that he's been carrying around for who knows how long. <laughs> Uh, man, I love that scene in Secret Wars so much. Um, yeah, that's that's my vote. Okay. Huzzah. Years later, John is finally vindicated. Hawkeye is very good. Vindicated. Aww. He is selfish. He is strong. Swears he's right. <laughs> he was right. Knew it all along. <laughs> and now Hawkeye is four. <laughs> <laughs> I have a suspicion. Yeah. I have a suspicion that the stories that we read next time are not going to perform as well. I, you know, uh, uh. we got a dolphin in a robot suit. <laughs> they're flawed, but they're cleaning up so well. <laughs> uh, a quick question. What what, what what are we naming this as the whole Hawkeye? Hawk guy. <laughs> I want to veto that, but I, I, I can't offer a better alternative. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's just Hawkeye. But... Uh, that's, uh, like, if you Hawkeye. want to get technical, it's Hawkeye it's, 2012. Yeah, Hawkeye 2012. But, like, the title of it is Hawkeye. I think if you were to buy it off... Like, I think it's just... It's billed as Hawkeye uh, Fraction Aha. The omnibus is the Hawkeye by Matt Fraction and David Aha omnibus. It's it's known as Hawkeye. The whole story doesn't have a title. Cool. Well, I just named it Hawkeye by Fraction and Aha. Yeah, good enough. I mean, I love the name My Life is a Weapon, but that's yeah. just the first trade. Yeah. But anyway, the next story that we are reading, we're, we're going to do uh, two... I, we'll see how much discussion we get out of this. We're going to start with another Silver Surfer story. Uh, the 1982 graphic novel? It's like a 49-page story with uh, Stan Lee and John Byrne. Yeah. It kind of gets into the origin of Silver Surfer. Uh, shot. Chaser is a 1990 miniseries called Brute Force, which uh, has cyborg animals, like a dolphin with a gun, and a kangaroo with a, with a, looks like a motorized tractor? Man, this story's gonna be bad. This is gonna be bonkers. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to stop Earth's increasing environment pollution, and that's real oh, exciting. Oh, so Yeah. <laughs> Soar, Reckless, Lionheart, Hip Hop, Surf Streak. <laughs> that's Shut their up. names. Hold on, no, the kangaroo's name is not hip-hop. Uh, it probably is. I reject this. <laughs> I'm becoming a fan in spite of myself here. What's what's that line from, from Mythbusters? I reject your reality and substitute my own? <laughs> yeah. It's a full-on throwdown when these party animals get together. Man, I can't tell if they're describing the book or us. <laughs> we can that we can just crib that and have that be our um like episode notes you know <laughs> oh man they fight heavy metal in the fourth issue i can't wait to read this hot garbage <laughs> there is a dolphin with a gun i think that's surf streak let's take bets okay so we've got sore, 
Soar is obviously the the eagle. Yes. Wow. Reckless. What is reckless? Reckless now, has got to be like, that bear thing, right? Is that, that a bear? Like these were toys, right? This has to be like these. These were toys. There's no other. No. No. No god would allow what's <laughs> happening to this to this dolphin. They gave him arms and legs, but kept his tail and his fin. He's seriously like like a like a really bad version of Snorky from The Simpsons when he's like Snorky talk man. And they fight the dolphins for the right to live on the land, and they lose. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Act like you haven't seen that Simpsons Halloween episode. There are clowns in this. Oh my gosh, they're a clown So, um, we, we'll save this discussion for next time, but guess who's part of the Weapon X program? No. Can, I, can I point out something, though? The writer is Simon Furman, uh, and I can't think of a better writer for this. No, Based come on. strictly on the name. Simon Furman, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> you thought, is that you like thought a, I was making that up. It, I wasn't. I did. I think you're a liar, although. <laughs> is that like a pen name for when they're too embarrassed? Like when... <laughs> When another director comes and finishes another director's job and he's like, he's like credited as like Alan Smithy or something. Like it's like a fake name that's used just for this purpose where it's like, yeah, I didn't want to have the bear robot comic be attached to my names. <laughs> it looks like he's on a tank too. Oh gosh. Oh, I'm so excited for this book. <laughs> oh, this is garbage. We'll talk about how great it is on the next episode. Oh gosh. These guys were part of weapon two. <laughs> Which was like, I think that was after Captain America. I'm glad. I think Captain America was weapon one. Man, talk about like a real, real hard left turn. That is, that is bonkers. We're like, ah, super soldier. You know what we should do next? Kangaroos! <laughs> this is like the men who stare at goats sort of thing, right? Yeah. They did more than stare, Steven. What did they do to the goats? They put them in robot bodies. <laughs> ah, there's a shark on wheels with blades. So, wheels. so before before we totally cut uh, on the episode, I do want to point out this is the first time we've had a ranking that actually lowers our uh, our issue count. True, <laughs> and we rolled up three different slots into one. Yeah, uh, and this means that uh, the boy who would be Spider Man, which is the Miles Morales story, is now in the top ten where it should be. Hey. <laughs> uh, I mean, it'll be there until you know we get some other I don't know Spider Man story that makes us cry or. That story where Wolverine has to, to raise a young teenage girl by himself and she demonstrates so much pluck. Yeah, or we read a book about a mechanized dolphin with a gun. You're a snorky kill man. 